American Craftsman Podcast is proud to partner with Montana Brand Tools. The West was built by people with strength and great pride in their workmanship. It was a necessity that early settlers of Montana have a strong will, a resilient character, and great determination to tame the rugged landscape while adapting to its dramatic climate. That spirit, made the USA pride in craftsmanship, is alive today, both in how Montana Brand Tools are manufactured and how they perform. Montana Brand Power Tool accessories are manufactured utilizing proprietary, state-of-the-art CNC machining equipment and the highest quality materials available. Montana Brand Tools are guaranteed for life to be free of defects in material and workmanship because we build these tools with pride and determination. Montana Brand Tools are manufactured by Rocky Mountain Twist, located in Ronan, Montana. Montana Brand's heritage comes from a long line of innovative power tool accessories. Use coupon code American Craftsman for 10% off your order at MontanaBrandTools.com. Well, feels a little strange down here. I know. Down here in the in the doldrum, dold, no, doldrums, that's not even the right word. In the dungeon? In the dungeon of my basement. Yeah, with Studio B coming at you live. Yeah, Hollywood, New Jersey. <laughs> Leonardo, really. Yeah. Uh, if you're watching, you can see... Uh, Quite a difference in the, um, here goes the email, quite a difference in the the set, we'll call it. Yeah, this is our set. This is the, our new, studio. the new podcasting location. Yeah, we, we uh, we're moving on up because we moved out of the shop, which is really a, a huge benefit. We don't have to, you know, break down every day and set up and clean up and yeah. all that other stuff. Um, mitigate dust with the equipment and everything, mm-hmm. so... Um, Although it may not look as much like a wood shop, it's certainly more comfortable for us. Yeah, we we got these chairs. Yeah. So if we nod off during <laughs> during the podcast, you'll know why. Because we got these comfy, comfy, lazy boys we're sitting in now. Yeah, don't take offense, not you guys. <laughs> well, I guess well, let's get into it. So we yeah. don't uh, we don't mm-hmm. overthink this uh, the new digs here. See, we have a fine cooler. We're going to start it off with the beer of the week like we always do. That's right. So this week we have from McKellar, West Coast Style West Coast Style India Pale Ale. Nice. Yeah, I like McKellar. What's the, uh, the difference between a West Coast and an East Coast? Um, I think East Coast is usually a little more sweet. West Coast is a little more dry. Hmm. Ingredients, water, barley, malt, hops, and yeast. The four ingredients to beer. I see it comes from San Diego. Yeah, McKellar is a Danish uh, brewer, I believe. Well, Wow, there's some sound effects there. in the studio. We almost got him. Yeah, there's a big fat fly flying around. Because this is my basement after all. <laughs> this is an exceptionally clear beer. Yeah. And very light in color. I guess uh, maybe my fridge isn't the coldest up there. Hence the, the new fridge coming next week. Yeah, you really are moving up in the world. Yeah. Got your own basement. 
the uh, <laughs> the bar has been set pretty low. <laughs> Listen, we're work, we're working class dudes. You know <laughs> what can we do? <laughs> we did get these snazzy new mic stands. Though. Yeah, yeah. Well, looks like we're having some foam uh, foam issues. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna let mine settle a little bit. Well, might as well get into the tool of the week. Yeah, there you go. That's one way to keep things moving. So this week, I have the uh, Nipex Cobra pliers. Let's see if I, I like can get us. Uh, these are the 12 inch, um, made in Germany. Yeah. And self locking. So they have a little button here that you push, and there's um, a bunch of different teeth. So you can lock into. You know, incremental positions about every sixteenth of an inch. It's like the Cadillac of uh, what would you call those pliers? The like channel locks? Yeah, I think they call them slip joint pliers. Is that what they're called? Yeah, I grew up calling them channel, channel locks. Is what locks. we always call yeah. them. Even these, uh, you know, say, "Hey, grab the channel locks." Right. Um, but those things are a, another level up the chain. Yeah, these are nice. So the beauty of these is that. Um, you know, you can put the top half on whatever you're working on and then just slide yeah, the bottom up and up. you get a, you get a, because there's so much adjustment, you always get a good purchase on the handle. Sometimes with the channel locks, you end up with the handle being way open, yeah. you know? Um, there's only like six slots there. Yeah. So I, I like them for that. And, um, you know, just a nice tool, even as woodworkers, we always, you know, keep a pair of channel locks around yeah. adjustable wrenches, that kind of stuff. So. Good for the shop, good for um, installs in case you need to do something with um, plumbing. Yeah, that happens quite a bit, actually, more than we'd uh, like. Yeah, I like the 12 <laughs> inch version. Right. <laughs> I, I have an I Love Lucy story that goes like that. <laughs> oh, yeah? yeah. <laughs> doing, doing a kitchen install, and the plumber, he uh, left the, you know, the stubs where the, the sink base was going but he only put left like the little plastic caps on there that was sort of like just friction fit oh lord and it was holding the water pressure back and now me and my helper who happened to be john vitolo on that job um we're in the house alone it's an old house and so we're we're putting the we're wrangling the kitchen base into the it's spot and we knocked off the plastic cap oh, and water comes shooting out like an Isle of Lucy episode straight into the to the room. <laughs> so I put my hand over it. Oh, you that's know, gonna help. <laughs> and water's spraying out now. I tell John, run down to the basement and you know, find the shutoff. Of course, he goes down to the basement. It's like uh, you know, it looks like one of those American Pickers episodes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Stuff piled everywhere. Can't find anything. <laughs> Water is still streaming out into the house. Eventually, I stretched myself out. I grabbed a plastic cap and shoved it back on there, and it, it held. Um, That's why you use, you know, copper copper stub outs with, right, with right. sweated uh, caps. Yeah. So... Not that those pliers would have helped in in that instance, but uh, that would those you probably could have squeezed the pipe. That's shut. right. 
Yeah, those have that nice, that sort of diamond, half diamond shape mm-hmm. on them. Those are good for grabbing round pieces. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're heavy duty. Yeah. And the grip is uh, you know, that channel lock grip, <clears throat> excuse me. The uh surprise, these chairs got a squeak to them. Yeah. The um the blue channel locks are uh they're slippery, the grips. They're not I think yeah, your chair squeaks more than mine. You hear that? You hear that yeah. squeak? Yeah. Whoa. Okay, don't pull on the mic stand. You, the you, table will fall over. You know, it's different, really. We're used to facing each other more. Now we're we're kind of sitting side by side. Yeah. And used to being in the shop, not my house. Yeah. Um. Oh, the grip. Yeah, the grip on these is nice. It's nice and tacky, uh, even if it's wet or sort of oily. You know, it has some some texture to it where the channel lock ones are kind of just yeah super slick. I think I have enough. Uh, Got enough room over here, here now. Let's toast. Cheers. Cheers. There we go. There's the clink. The Studio B. Not bad. Yeah, that's different. That is different. I like it. Let's see if I can hold the can up here. What do you think of their labeling? Oh, I get it. Burst. It's like a a pop bubble of bubble gum. Yeah, I just saw that burst. I like the McKellar, uh, like the look of all the. Yeah. Man, I have to grease this chair up. (laughs) Maybe it's just getting broken in. Do we look like a couple of slouches in our lazy boys? Yeah. Yeah. Wait till I put the leg out. Yeah. I was wondering if we were going to be allowed to put our feet on the table. I think it's just, it's going to take up the whole foreground. Yeah. Yeah. Because the angle of the camera, everything looks, it's like uh, the message in your rear view mirror. Objects appear closer. Oh, man. Right, because even our knees appear closer than our heads. Yeah. yeah. Well, these chairs are pretty long, too. Yeah. yeah. So should we get into it? First question of the week? I think we might as well. All right. I'll read it. How important are goals to your shop? You're going to have to move your mic there a little bit. Oh, all right. Here we go. How important are goals to your shop? And do they have to be big goals? That comes from our buddy Lou at Alvarez Woodworking. Yeah, speaking of Lou... Uh, Lou and Manny stopped by uh, on Friday. Oh, yeah. That was a good yeah. time reminiscing. Uh, you know, we all used to work together, so it was good to see those guys. Um, you know, goals are very important. Um, you have to set goals and even small goals like daily goals and uh, long-term goals because, <sighs> you know, things don't just sort of manifest on their own. That's true. Um, so if you have something to work towards, it's always, I think, easier to achieve that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if it's just a daily goal for the job that we're working on, and sometimes we just come up with those goals in the morning. Mm-hmm. Like, what, you know, what what would we like to accomplish today? Right. Um, and then, of course, we have a more long-term, you know, we're not really like two long-term thinkers, although no, we did play lottery today. That's right. <laughs> That's Friday. That's pretty long term. So, 
we come up with a hundred million, we might have to. T- we'll never see you guys. Again. No, I'm just kidding. We were the kind of people we'd be here in the basement next Wednesday. Oh yeah, and Monday and Tuesday. We just do the podcast full time. That's right. We might have a bigger set though. Yeah, that'd be nice. Now, this new set, it looked really big when we were laying it all out, right? Yeah. And then we carried the chairs downstairs. <laughs> and then it was full. We could see we're, like, way off of the wall because yeah. of just the whole... I mean, it was tough. Yeah. It was tough to uh, to jam everything in here. And if we have a guest, we're going to have to figure out... Yeah, they'll have to, they'll have to, to sit on a milk crate. <laughs> or this cooler. Um... Yeah, got you. Got to have goals. I think um, it it sounds maybe a little intimidating to people who feel like they want to, you know, be more of uh, a free spirit and that sort of thing. But you know, we pretty much fly by the seat of our pants for the most part. Yeah, I mean, to um, some degree, right? Uh, well, compared to a like a structured nine to five. Um, type of existence, but we get in at the same time every day and we yeah. put in our, our eight hours and all that stuff, but we don't really have, um, you know, everything buttoned up to the nth degree. We just, we we're workers, so we don't really need to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, we don't have like, you know, financial strategists, you know, talking about five, what just five years <laughs> from now, they're going to be, no, I mean, in that sense, no, we no. do fly by the seat of our pants, but, um, we play lottery. Yeah. Wish us luck. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, you know, there'll be a little slice of pie for all our friends. <laughs> mm, you can do what you want with your half. You got, you got to, you got to dole out a little bit, you know, this, mm. This is the way I always figured. If I won like big on the lottery, I I'd give it out all at the beginning with the caveat. It's like, this is what you're getting. No phone calls, no sob stories, no letters. If you want to go to Atlantic City and blow it all, that's up to you. But this is this here's what you're getting from my lottery winnings. I'm not giving anybody anything. <laughs> Maybe some family, yeah. some very close friends, but my, that's it. My friends are more likely to get it than my family. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh. This is an interesting question, this next right. one. This is from uh, CT Vader, 1977 on Instagram. I like that. I did uh, have your name at one point, but it's it got lost somewhere up there in my brain. Any tips for how to joint a board without a joiner? Um. Well, I remember back in the olden days um, when I started, I only had a little six-inch mm-hmm. joiner, and those things probably have like a four-foot bed. Yeah, if you're lucky. And I had, a jo- I had to joint these big boards, and I tried the router method, you know, where... With a straight edge? Yeah. And uh, I didn't... I wasn't really happy with... The result. And did you ever try the the method where <laughs> it's going to sound really crazy? I don't remember where I read it. Um, and I've tried it for about six inches of a, two boards before I realized I wasn't going to make it work. Where you joint both boards at the same time so that they'll they'll definitely fit together. What are you talking about? 
I just skip it. We're talking about how to join a board without a joiner. Yeah. I Oh, I meant with the router. Oh. Yeah. I can't remember where I, I read it, but it was something um, where you would you would join both boards at the same time and you would, they would make a mirror image of one another. Hmm. And uh, they would definitely fit together if, in case there were some um, discrepancies. But it, either I didn't understand the article or... It, it's a, it's not a viable method. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it would work. Um, but uh, I just did like the front of a pair of boards, and I said this isn't going to work. Yeah, because a mirror image doesn't mean that they're going to fit together. Right. Well, you know how like if it's con- concave and yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I've never th- even thought about using a router to join a board. Yeah, that, I think that's like. A lot of those, uh, like beginner, when you only have like a handsaw kind of tips and things like I would that. Just use a table saw. Yeah, and go, like we did. Um, what's his name? Use the track saw that time. Yeah, so I'd say if you have a track saw, use that. If not, um, just use the table saw. Get a, a piece of plywood that's straight and and clamp or screw the piece of wood to it and run it through the table saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen that done too. You, know, you just use that as a straight edge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there any other tool that might be used? I mean, we're not. A joiner. Yeah, we're not going to ask about like a, a joiner plane or anything like that. You know, a hand plane with a f- fence on it. Even that is, uh, you it, know. It's hard not to get those little hairline gaps. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could do like a spring joint where yeah, the, uh, the center is a little bit hollow. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, I mean, there really is no substitute for a joiner. I think the table saw is going to be your best bet. Yeah. You never heard of somebody trying it with a router? Yeah, that was... Sounds I, like way more work than just using the table saw. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think it is. Um, I don't know. That was uh, that was some of the bad advice I got when I was starting out. Because you have to have an awfully, awfully clean and straight, straight edge. Yes. And a very sharp bit. Otherwise, yeah. you know, any little. Yeah, this article probably recommends you use the factory edge from a piece of plywood or something like that, too. Mm. So you could probably see the quality that you're going to. Yeah, that's like a ton of <laughs> setup and work holding. And then you got to worry about not tipping the router. Yeah, that's the problem I had. Because. You know, you're sort of inexperienced to begin with, and then you're trying to use this method that's not really a great method. So you're compounding all of those things. You're destined for some failure there. So what's our recommendation? I recommend the table saw. Yeah, I recommend buying a jointer. Well, yeah. (laughs) Or just, yeah, buy. try and buy it, buy a straight piece. Yeah, a table saw with a really nice sharp blade on mm-hmm. it. Um, they they sell those blades and they call them like glue line glue line rips, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah. All right. Want to read the next one while I take a little drink of beer here? Yeah, sure. Got this one from uh, Hey Good Hardwoods on Instagram. What's been the hardest skill for you to learn, and what's something new you want to learn? Well, up to this point, I'm going to say it's the shaper because I haven't really learned it yet. It's it's more overcoming the fear of that 
giant spinning sharp mass. Yeah. (laughs) It's, you know, once it's, once you have that like nice contact with the cutter and you can feel it, Mm -hmm. but it's that inching up on it where you're not quite sure what's going to happen. I would say that's, that's my next you know, tool to, I, I won't use the word master, but just become proficient with and, and over like, you know what, the way we are with all the other tools, yeah. we know what we're doing. We right. have confidence. That's what I'd like to feel. So that's what you want to learn. Yeah. What, uh, what's been the hardest, the shaper as well, you're saying? Uh, well, you know, I haven't really had it, had much time on the shaper yet. You know, what was probably the hardest was to learn how to, um, joint well you know because there's some finesse in jointing like a twist out of the face of a board you have to (laughs) with nobody to teach you why the board just keeps getting thinner and thinner Mm -hmm. you know you have to figure out all these things about where you should keep your your pressure and things like that um so that was probably the hardest i'm trying to think um I don't know. I've never had a hard time with anything. Yeah, you're a natural. I'm just, kid- I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have a hard time. Like with that a lot. Redford character. I have a hard time with a lot of things. Um, hmm. I mean, I'd say design is definitely something I have trouble with. Uh, it's hard to sort of think outside of the box and come up with things that are unique. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that's definitely something I want to learn too. So I'll lump that into both. All right. Yeah, that, and I think for both of us, it just takes experience, you know, time behind the wheel is mm-hmm. what really gets those skills sharpened up. That was a good question. Um, so I'm going to ask this next question. I'm looking and I'm reading ahead a little bit. They're kind of, there's kind of uh, two questions that are similar. Um, it's from Connor at Fallen Oak Custom on Instagram. Where do you guys personally draw the line for woodworker? Does it start or stop at any certain point in your opinion? If so, where? Oh, side question below. That's a two-parter. <laughs> so did that make sense the way I read it? Where do you guys personally draw the line for woodworker? Does he mean like, you know, like what you're doing in the shop and stuff like that? Um, Like... Or if you're pouring fiberglass into molds, are you a woodworker? Or if you're a CNC guy, are you a woodworker? Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe you could read the second part and that may, may right. clarify it a bit. So, uh, do you consider guys who make start-to-finish furniture pieces uses only, using only power equipment woodworkers? I feel like there's a muddling line now between furniture maker and woodworker. Again, this is from Connor, Fallen Oak Custom on Instagram. Um, I'm not really good with all these labels, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and we don't want to be, we don't want to be the self-appointed authority on all this stuff, but they're asking for our opinion. So yeah, like, we'll I don't it. know, um, if I classify myself as a woodworker or furniture maker, I tend to say furniture maker, um, but I think furniture makers are woodworkers. Well, we, unless you're in another medium like steel or you know, fiberglass or something like that. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're making wood furniture. Yeah. So, um, and I, yeah, I'd say most furniture has at least some wood in it. 
Um, it's it's a like you said, it's a very muddled line. It's, it's hard to answer. Yeah, yeah. Um, you want me to take a stab at it? Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Well, because this will come up when you're trying to identify yourself and feel some pride in what you do and what you've accomplished. And when somebody introduces you as a carpenter or something like that, <laughs> you you want to say, no, I'm not a carpenter or I'm not a, Oh this. yeah. and I say, well, what do you do? Like if people ask me what I do, I say, well, I design and build custom furniture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, basically have a, a wood shop. It's not, we really can't label ourselves with, you know, a, a simple, you know, one word title because, I mean, we wear so many hats and also because um, you really have to include the design element for yeah. us, mm-hmm. you know, because that's such an integral and and big part of what we do here at Green Street. Um, but if we're talking about other people, I would say that there is, I think there should be, not should be, but there. There, for me, there is a defining line um, only in the respect to how I feel about myself. Like really? I, I want to have somebody have a little bit of respect for what I do um, because it's, you know, I think it deserves it as in all vocations. And in general, the trades probably don't get as much respect as, you know, they've earned. People who, who work hard at their craft and and do a good job so i i'd like to have a some clear understanding between folks who do what we do at the level we do it and the time and energy we've committed to it and then somebody who's um uh, let's see you know nailing together an adirondack chair out of a pallet right yeah i mean to me the line is a definitive thing yeah that's why i'm saying I yeah don't. Well, I, you know, you're probably right then. There is no. It's clear. hard. It's nearly impossible to right. define like what we. Because you don't get a certificate or a degree when you complete no, it. No, no. You know, a course of study. like It's like really like a case by case basis. Right. Like some people, you know, who are doing the same thing. One could be a woodworker and one's not, even though they're doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, has a lot to do with just the particulars of the situation, you know. Yeah, so so what do we say? Um, guys, uh, well, we don't really consider people who just make start-to-finish furniture pieces only as woodworkers. I mean, you have to use power tools in today's day and age for the most part to make a living. Yeah, yeah. Like, I wouldn't say woodworker is um, only people who use hand tools only. Right. Because that's, like, basically no right. one. And, that's, and it's mostly hobby people, you know. Right, right. And I, I think that's a, another point to differentiate ourselves from others, too, because we don't have the luxury of spending a thousand hours perfecting a piece. Yeah, there's only, you know, maybe a few dozen people in the whole U.S. who who can spend that amount, amount of time and get paid for it. Right. We have to, you know, balance, you know, our craft with the idea of making a living. I say the idea of making a living. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's certainly a challenge sometimes. Um, um, 
So yeah, Connor. Sorry we didn't have a more definitive answer for you, but that's a tough one. Yeah, does it start or stop at a certain point? It's 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 a little it is he's he's on the money. It's a it's a murky situation. Yeah, like you give me like a a a uh what do they call it when they when they do like a lineup of suspects? Just a lineup. Yeah, a lineup. Yeah. I guess. Give me a lineup of people I can tell you yes, no, yeah, but can't put a definition on it. Right, because it, it's a moving line, isn't it? I don't like. I can't put my head back because of the the brim of my hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's annoying. It's gonna take a little while to get used to this new setup. Yeah, I'm certainly uncomfortable. Yeah, not in the not in the uh, comfort sense. No, just in the. Oh yeah, because we got to turn our heads a different way. Yeah, it's our, like our, feel the feel like a fish out of water. We used to have that big table. You know, mm-hmm. the table's a comfortable setup. You know, you got your arms on it. Yeah, you can a, lean back. You can barrier. lean in. Have to do yeah, to... we're a little vulnerable here. No, you want to stare at the bottom of my shoes? That's not so bad. Nah, you have to deal with it. We're still doing. You know, trying to figure out how to talk into these mics. Yep. Don't pull that over. I'm trying. You'll be in big trouble. The problem with this is now I really want to lean back and I can't. <laughs> Let me try this out. <laughs> yeah, look, I'm going to lift up the table. Can, can, can you become more uncomfortable? <laughs> it's certainly happening. Um, what we got here next? We got a repeat offender here. Brian from St. John Woodworks. Is there a machine or tool you don't have right now that's on your wish list? Oh, yeah. Well, that's plenty. Yeah, I mean, always. I, you know, to work inside the shop, we'd have to have a bigger shop to, like, really get all the machines we want. Yeah. But you know the thing I really want and one day hope to have is a forklift. Yeah. More like a... Um, you know, like a bobcat that has a bucket and forks. That that's that's my dream. What are you gonna use a bucket for? Well, the bucket's for fun, you know, like a, just driving around. It's great, yeah. Clean, you know, clean up the driveway and stuff like that. Because you know, with the gravel driveway, the the rain, you get ruts and it can move snow around in the winter time. Mm, that's true with snow. You know, and I could. Uh, you had no rocks left though after that. No, no. Well, you got to leave a little skim coat of the yeah. the snow. And then if I had wheels, I could drive it down, uh, you know, Leonardville Road to he- your house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. You have a bobcat. Then all of a sudden you yeah. fixed everything and then you don't have anything to use it for anymore. I know. But so I'd just be driving drive to the store. Oh, my God. Couldn't you just see me driving that thing around? You'd be locked up. You'd be better off with a quad. <laughs> If a quad could lift up a pallet, I'd get one. Yeah. Um, but for those few times a year where we could really use a forklift, I mm-hmm. mean, that's the problem. We don't really need a forklift on a consistent basis. No. So it's probably more trouble to store it and maintain it yep. than it's worth. But I just want it. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue with that logic. Yeah. I'd like one, too. <laughs> um <laughs> It's that logic. <laughs> well, we, again, it's a muddled uh, definition. Well, I'm starting to slouch in my chair already. Yeah, it's not going to end well. Uh, machine or tool? Hmm. 
You know, it's such a long list. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Machine, I mean, I still really want to find a lime boring head for that Ganymat. Yeah, yeah. Um and I'd I'd like a stand up pocket hole machine. Yeah. We might even be able to like find a space for that. Yeah. Yeah, because you know, that's like a eighteen by eighteen kind of deal mm-hmm. or something like that. Um and just having it set up all the time, you just run over, hit click the foot. You right. know, like uh, Dino's got the one with the foot switch. Yeah. So you don't even have, like, the one with the uh, the handle is nice, too, the yeah. castle and the porter cable, but um, to have a foot switch would be. That'd be yeah, really nice. yeah. Then no, we use it all the time. The yeah. Um, And those, the pocket holes are just, the the mortise is way better than a Craig. Yeah, the, Craig the goes pocket hole sucks. Straight in like that. Yeah, it has a more shallow angle, um, so you get less movement in the boards. Yeah, I think that I'd would be, be that, that would serve the shop well. I mean, if we saw one of those come up at an auction, I'd be interested in bidding on that. We made some space in the back corner of the shop there. Yeah, well, the they used to, yeah, there used to be some uh, a pile of wood. Yeah, a pile of wood, a pile of dead wood. Yeah, it, it was taking up room. wasn't wasn't adding anything. Yeah. No, no value added, as they say. Just bringing down the whole vibe. <laughs> And don't ask me to get coffee. <laughs> Did you know that those? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So, is there a project that you've both worked on, or individually worked on? Is there a project that you've both worked on or individually worked on that just never sat right with you? Something you wish you did differently? <laughs> That's from Manny, one of our patrons. Also known as Too Many Mistakes on Instagram. And our, and our good, good friend. Um, Going to go the most recent example. Yeah, Manny. Every single job at Tom Shop. <laughs> you have sleepless nights? Not anymore. Yeah. Uh, not everyone. I, you know, you did that curved hood and you were pretty... Well pleased with the way that came out, given yeah. your circumstances. Yeah. Because you had to take it all in context over there. Yeah. You got your hands tied. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll be honest. I'm not satisfied with 99.99% of the work I've done because, yeah. you know, I'm a perfectionist. So if it's not perfect, I'm not satisfied. And perfection rarely happens. So it's a yeah. tough uh, tough way to, to try and judge your own work. But, um, you know. It never happens. I mean, sometimes, um, like, I would say if we just go to the job, we one of the more recent ones we did, like the job that we did in um, Easton. Mm-hmm. Now, that job came out pretty much the way we planned it. It went pretty smoothly. Yep. But still looking at it they were, and, and building it out, there were things I would have liked to done differently as I'm building. I'm like, ah, maybe these should have been like two and three quarter inches instead of three and a half Mm -hmm. inches. You're always looking at it sideways. Yeah. It's, it's hard to, to get perfection on a one time build. Right. Cause you only have one shot. Yeah. You have to build it and then tweak it. So Um, if you just, you have one shot to do it, it's, you know, and we may try and incorporate those things into the next job, but. And sometimes it doesn't 
look, even though we're drawing in 3D and we have those nice programs, it's sometimes in real life, it doesn't quite look the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of got that feeling a little bit myself with that job. Even though, like, for all intents and purposes, that job went really smoothly yeah. and went in. Mm-hmm. But like you, you know, we're we're our own worst critics. Yeah. And you don't say anything, but you're just looking at it and you're going, eh, you know, I wish you could change this. Exactly. Whine into myself. I think if you if you look at the thing and don't have any critiques, then you probably got something wrong with you. Yeah. Well, that's... You know, know. you'd have to ask somebody else. Yeah. (laughs) Luckily, we're both the same that way. You know, I know Manny's like that, too. Yes, he is. Manny's his own worst critic. You're too hard on yourself, Manny. We're big fans of Manny, actually. He's he's a talented dude. Oh, absolutely. Um, So (laughs) he said, so is the question, the question is, is there? (laughs) The answer is yes. That's a long list. (laughs) You want to read the next one? Yeah, I got one from our buddy Matt, I-K-A-G-Viz. I know a guy, Viz, on Instagram. Yeah, I like that name. Um, What features were most important when selecting the power feeder? Oh, well, number one was a (laughs) non-Oliver. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. We we did. Because we started to bark up that tree and then quickly turned around. Yeah, that, that, that. Went south in a hurry, and we just didn't want to sink any more money into that particular um, company. Yeah, no. Yeah, they don't deserve um, a dime of our money. They, we did get some of our money back today, it seems. Yeah. Um, let me see. I got two emails yeah. here. They treated us kind of poorly for the amount of, um, you know, effort we put into them and the patience we showed with them. Yep. Um, so we we really they had offered us, um, you know, a fairly good deal as far as price is concerned on a power feeder, but we we didn't eh. we didn't. Well, yeah, I mean, eh. yeah, it was it was less than uh, retail, we'll call it. Yeah, but it's uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, we, we but went the retail with, price is very high. Um, yeah, we went with um, a tried and true European maker. Yeah. Uh, so I'd say the most important features were single phase, yeah. one horsepower, four roller, and eight speed. And that's exactly what we got with the yeah, Steph. Yeah, it was a Steph, uh, you know, made in Italy by Maggi. Um, Gotta love those Italians. Yeah, they they make a good power feeder. Yeah. Uh, the Maggis were around for a long time. The, uh, what's that green one? Shit. Maybe those were Maji's. I forget, but there's an older, uh, you know, uh, uh, I mean, they probably still make them, but uh, a company that used to make these green power feeders was an Italian company. Even like the Holzers and stuff, I think, were made in Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, and even some of the American brands were like the, don't quote me on this, but I think maybe some of the Deltas used to be made in Italy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. They got a thing with power feeders. Yeah, well, I mean, if you have a factory set up for it, like yeah. like basically all the Taiwanese stuff, mm-hmm. you know, all those Taiwanese machines are coming out of the same factory with a different paint job. Yeah, unfortunately. So, 
I mean, I think you pretty much nailed that one. You, you know, talked about the specifics. Yeah. I like the way it looks too. It does look nice. You know, it's got ours a, did come with a, a severe blemish on it. Yeah. So yeah, you know, we got a ten percent with us and tools. Ten percent refund coming apparently, <laughs> so we can replace it or give you ten percent. Yeah. Well, it's gonna cost us money to set it back yeah, up. Yeah, so I know, I know. Just give us a refund, ten percent, oh. hundred fifty bucks. Now Matt, he's big on big machines and feeders oh, yeah. and everything, so he knows his business. Matt's got more machinery stuff. packed into a like a two car garage than we have in the whole shop. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a lot of stuff in there. Yeah. He knows his power feeder business. Yep. Yeah. It took a lot of recommendations from mm-hmm. Matt and uh, Tyler T. Ernsberger on Instagram and uh, a bunch of guys I'm in a group with. Um, Freddie, Justin, Tim, Chris, all those guys. Yeah. Um, they all spoke highly of this stuff. And we're not disappointed. No, I mean we haven't really yeah. used it a whole lot, but, but yeah, we're we're novices yeah. in this department. But it's it's still uh, yeah, using a power feeder on a shaper is a little more uh, involved than a table. I've only really used it on a table saw, which is just like freaking yeah. stick the board in there and it's gonna feed through. Yeah, no problems there. Ah, I got one from our buddy Alex here. All right, read on. Uh, I'm planning a new outfeed table for my table saw, and we'll have several several drawers for storage. What are your ultimate go-to drawer slides? They can be side mount or under mount. What's your top three in the drawer slide department? From Alex Mitchell, 84, on Instagram. Alex sent us the uh, the beer from Tennessee way back. Oh, maybe and the Goo Goo Clusters. Episode 19 or right. 15, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed those. T-shirt that's, you know. I got no sleeves now. It's, yeah, man. Yep. Oh well, live and learn. So we really only use one. I mean, we have experience with several mm-hmm. uh, lesser, we'll call them, slides. Yep. In our uh, days working elsewhere, but we like the blooms. Or if uh, you say blum, don't say blum. I say bloom. Is that uh, how they say it over there in uh, Germany? Bloom. Mm-hmm. Austria. Austria? Yeah. I think if you ask Yeah, it's pronounced bloom. Uh, good. Good. So, yeah, we like the blooms. Mm-hmm. Bloom uh, tandems. Yeah. Which are actually made in the U.S. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, in North Carolina. And uh, uh, for the longest time, I used those 71-cent <laughs> clips in the yeah. front. <laughs> I, I was, you know, I never felt the, the need to for the... More expensive, uh, fancy clips, but I was converted. I'm not. I'm not so uh, stuck. Yeah, I mean, even if it's a kitchen and there's 25 drawers, and so that's 50 clips. Like, was it 100 bucks? Yeah, I mean, there's two dollar difference. Um, that's the 3D. Like, there's yeah, you know, like four levels of clip. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just like the uh, ease of adjustment. Yeah, just in case. Yeah, you know, shit happens. They put silverware in there, and the drawer sags. You can uh, crank it up a little bit or crank it to the side, in and out. Yeah. Um, for those that might not know or be familiar with what we're talking about, um, the Bloom undermount slides, uh, like like all of the, the copycats, they mm-hmm. have these uh, these little fixtures that hook to the front of the drawer yep. 
and they they hook into the the sliding mechanism, and that's how you release the drawer so you can take the box out. Mm-hmm. And in the the basic model, there's really not much adjustability in it. Just up and down. Yeah, and we always do frame inset. Yep. Um, so you know, as, you know how that could be tricky. Yeah. <laughs> We we like to go anywhere between an eighth and a sixteenth gap around, yeah. and so I mean that's what we're used to. So that's really not a thing for us. We don't really need the adjustability for that. But we're what Jeff's talking about is kind of future proofing these things. Right. So when uh, the the drawer slide is weighed down with a hundred pounds in it, or it's reaching its maximum, you know maybe it's it's rubbing on the bottom or people are abusing it and slamming it or the wood moves yeah, and it starts yeah. to, you know, it moves, everything moved up because the screws were towards yeah. the bottom. You can bring it down. Or the house bit. settles. Yeah. I mean, all, all these things happen. Um, the, the fancier clips have all these ways to adjust the, the drawer face, mm-hmm. uh, the front edge of the box. So they're, they're worth the extra two bucks. Yeah. And I, I don't even think it's that much. They're, uh, they might even be less than $2 a piece. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, it's a lot of money. So, I mean, I can't even think of another um, drawer slide that I would recommend. I haven't used them all for sure. No. Um, um, I'd say, yeah, the Bloom Tandems or the Moventos. Mm-hmm. Moventos just like a nicer version of the Tandem, but, um, but you the, know, yeah. the, the, the uh, Movento allows for like a touch... A, uh, oh, that's right. Touch to open, not a servo drive, but like a push. What would you call that? It's like a touch latch. Push to open, yeah. Pervert, yeah. Um, so you can add that on to the Maventos. And I think they have the Maventos maybe come out even more. Yeah. Are the Tandems full extension or are they three-quarter I extension? I think they're full extension. Yeah, the Maventos, yeah. I don't know. They I feel like they come out more or something. That's possible. They have three segments, I think, instead of uh. two. Um. But again, we use the tandem so much that we don't really have. We have some Maventos floating around the shop. Yeah, um, we bought them for something. But the Maventos only come in five eighths. Right. We use three quarter inch material for right. our drawer boxes. Um, yeah, you know we've used the Hedich, we've used the the Gross, Salici, Accuride. I think Bloom Tandem is the best bang for your buck. Right. I and. Most of our exposure with those other brands has been involuntary. It's been involuntary, and it's also been on their cheaper version of that. Yeah. That to so I mean I'm sure they all make a better version than the one we've. Yeah, King had Slide is another one. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the other brands. There's another side. I think Sugatsuni makes side, some side mounts. Yeah. Do they make undermounts? I don't know. I, I never use them if they do. I mean, the thing with the bloom clips, the the part that clips in is metal. So it's a metal on metal connection. Yeah. I, yeah. I think only those headages that we were using were uh, totally plastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those things were crap. Um, so, and. Side mounts, like with the ball bearings and stuff, there. I I would consider them sort of like the cassette tape of the slide. I mean, they're just they've there's something better now. Mm-hmm. And 
I don't see any reason to to use a cassette tape. But it's cheaper. <laughs> yeah, it is. it is a little bit. It is a little bit cheaper. Um, but, you know, the, the, uh, use at your own uh, peril. Yeah. That's what I'll say. Um. So yeah, sorry there, Alex. We don't have three. <laughs> we have three options for <laughs> we you. We got but, one. Go get them. Yeah, boom tandems. Yeah. Um, and they're very easy to use. Yeah, that's the other thing. I mean, there. Some people aren't really uh, familiar with the installation methods, and I think that maybe puts a few people off. They don't want to make that transition. Mm-hmm. But it, it's it's pretty simple, and the math yeah. to figure out like. The the drawer size and all that stuff is pretty straightforward. It's no more difficult than side mounts. It's just no. different. Yeah. Um, just a different couple of fractions. Yep. We got another one here all from right. Manny. Manny's always got good questions. What are you guys looking forward to as far as innovations or new products that you would like to see? Hmm. You got anything off the top of your head? We were talking about this the other day, uh, the idea of um, some American-made machines. Oh, yeah. You know, if somebody like, let's say, Powermatic was to just open a factory in Tennessee and sell the machines for a little bit more and, you know, have all the parts made in the U.S. and, and the you know, the whole thing, soup the nuts made in the USA um, and, you know, charge more. It could be the same design. Right. But just made in the USA. Right. I think people would be receptive to paying, you know. That. I so, know we would. Yeah, they wouldn't have to make any investment in like redesigning the tooling or anything like that. They could basically use the same machinery they're using over there in Taiwan. Yep. Just set up a factory in Tennessee or whatever mm-hmm. state they choose. They're still headquartered there, correct? Yeah, uh, yeah. That was I just figured that's yeah. the most obvious. Yeah. They'd be they'd be uh it'd be strange if they picked somewhere else. And uh, you know, Employ local folks, mm-hmm. pay a decent wage, and see what the end result was. That it's a it's a big risk. They'd have to, you know, purchase the building and set it all up, and then they're going to say, "All right, here you go, Jeff and Rob. We just sold you two machines now." How are we going to, you know, sell the other how many thousands of machines we need to yeah. to break even? I mean, it'd be like a boutique kind of. Yeah. Uh, the same way with like amplifiers and guitars. Like, you know, most of the fenders are made in China or Mexico. Yeah, Mexico is the big place um, now. But they have the custom shop where yep. the custom, custom shop. But it's yep. really just the stuff that's made it's in the, the USA. It's the same exact product just made in the u.s yeah with maybe slightly better materials yeah um they so always got to stick something in there too yeah it's the same kind of idea like maybe they only make 500 table saws a year mm-hmm. you hear my son running around upstairs yeah um i would love to see it even as an experiment you mm-hmm. know I, I would love to see what the response would be i'm just so curious yep um i mean because we kind of like we wear these 1620 pants and that's sort of like the clothing equivalent of what we're talking about there. All the fabric is made in America and the pants are of course are assembled and everything in America, even Mm -hmm. the zippers. So it's hundred percent American made. Um, 
and we've gotten into it, uh, not heated, but we've gotten into it with people who uh, say that they're a ripoff and things like that because... Yeah, I don't know if we talked about that on a regular episode or maybe the Patreon. I forget. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, because people look at the price and they say, they got some nerve charging 100 and. $28 for a pair of shorts or $200 for a pair of pants or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, and I would guess that whoever says something like that never tried to run a small business on their own right? and doesn't really understand the cost of what it takes, you know, to mm-hmm. put together a quality product that's not... Even just an equivalent product. Right, reliant on... Uh, you know, all this super cheap overseas yep. uh, discounting. Yeah, the labor's uh, cheaper and the material's cheaper. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, imagine how cheap it is to make a pair of pants in China that they can sell it for a third of the price even after it travels, you know, halfway around the world. Yeah. Through how many middlemen for transportation mm-hmm. and all this other stuff? Um, yeah, everybody down the line is making money. They got the company that makes the buttons, company that makes the zippers, company that makes the thread that they sew it with, mm-hmm. um, that make the fabric, and then the, the person making the raw materials. Yeah, the shippers. Yeah, like it was interesting when that whole thing came out with the Suez Canal when the truck got uh, the truck. The ship got caught in there. Yeah. And I was watching something on TV. Did you know that like a, an average toll to go through the Suez Canal is a million dollars? Yeah. So that was a cost I never even realized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's insane. So and then it's still, uh, you know, like think about like buying jeans at Walmart or something. Like, right. What, what does that cost? $8.99, $20. That's unbelievable. Yeah. I, I, what are they making them for like 20 cents? Probably less, to be honest. Whew. Unbelievable. Yeah. Gets the blood flowing, it's doesn't nice, it? It's nice, though. Those workers get to live in the factory, you know, they share, yeah, they get to yeah. have bunk mates. It sounds fun. Well, you know, if they're lucky, they maybe. get sent to an internment camp <laughs> in the middle of the country. <laughs> maybe in another lifetime, we'll get to come back. Wouldn't that be nice? As, yeah. Working in a sweatshop. <laughs> sweatshop. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my mom actually worked in a sweatshop. <laughs> I remember you telling me that. Yeah. My mom's an immigrant. And uh, uh, when she was a kid, you know, that was back, back when in we the, had good old American sweatshops. <laughs> in in the garment district in New York. You know, the immigrants, they went to work. She was mm-hmm. a kid. And that was, you know... I'm sure the conditions were rough, but probably not. I mean, she didn't have to sleep there and stuff like that. Yeah. But, you know, it was that was where the term sweatshop was probably uh, mm-hmm. first thought of as far as, you know, we're concerned here in America. Oh, man, I'm yawning yeah. in this comfy chair. And now look at me, business owner. <laughs> Working in a sweatshop of your own. Yeah, that's right. Got my own sweatshop. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord, that's that's not true. We have air conditioning. We better move on to the next one before right. we say something offensive. Yeah. <laughs> Too late. 
Am I not exonerated by being related to somebody no. who sweated in the shop? Definitely not. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, read it. No, I this can't. is you. I read the last oh. three. Oh, okay. Or four. So um, this is uh, from uh, Low Country Modern, one of our patrons. Uh, if you guys weren't woodworkers, what would you do? Cheers. I like that. P.S. Your live stream was awesome. Thank you, Low Country. Yeah. Yeah. You, you got to tell us your real name, damn it. Or if you're a collective, what's, give, give us a couple names. Yeah. Um, thank you for the live stream. It was, uh, you know, another learning experience. Yeah. Be, yeah. Uh, running an Ethernet cable from the ceiling down to my computer here. Yeah. We're going to try it. Um, yeah. So the next one should hopefully, uh, Maybe the quality will be a little bit better because we have pretty pretty fast internet here. Um, we'll be hardwired in, but uh, looking for oh, um, what if we weren't you doing, I, I'd still be working in a restaurant. Yeah, I'd probably I'd probably be a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a teacher before I did this. Good old Canarsie High School. Yeah, if you're just tuning in and haven't caught uh. <laughs> You know, we gave our sort of backstories. Oh, I yeah. Call them, but, a long time ago. You know, I worked in restaurants for 10 years before I ever... I, I only picked up a hammer in 2012. And that's a, 10 years is a long time. You're only just turned 32, right? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I didn't even get into, like, any type of cabinet building until 2018. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I built cabinets on site as a finished carpenter, but it's not the same yeah, thing. Yeah, in a shop, it's different. Yeah. Yeah, I, I taught history at the Canarsie High School. Mm-hmm. Uh, You're alma mater. mater. Yeah, you, you know, Canarsie's no more. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they shut the school down. Now it's like a, a beard oil <laughs> emporium. <laughs> Flannel shirts and beard no. oil. That's what they sell. No. It's a store now. Can- Canarsie has not been gentrified yet. <laughs> it's, it's I don't know. I haven't, been, I haven't been back to Brooklyn in a while, but uh, my old neighborhood is... It's it's hipster town. Yeah, um, that's what I mean. It's, yeah, hipsters are there. With yeah. beard oil. Yeah, I, and flannel shirts. But uh, some of them are probably claiming to be woodworkers. Going back to Connor's question, <laughs> they're taking uh, you know their found fa- found items on the streets of New York. Yeah. Did you ever see the movie Hello, My Name Is Doris with mm. Sally Field? No, that does not sound like something I watch. Yeah, it it was actually a good movie. She plays like this, um, it, you know, it's somewhat current movie. So she's mm-hmm. playing her age, which is probably 70 or something like that, maybe late 60s. And she's kind of like this idiosyncratic woman. And uh, she finds herself in this job with all these hipsters in Brooklyn. And they all think she's cool oh, because... She's, you know, so, Real. so odd. Yeah. And, you know, they're putting on all these airs and it, it really kind of takes the, the wind out of the sails of all that stuff because they go, oh yeah, I'm, I make these individual chocolates with sea salt from Madagascar, you know, so they make fun of all that. Yeah. yeah. And it's she's. Like a Portlandia skit. Exactly. <laughs> Knots <laughs> like uh, Jeff Goldblum owns that store where it's just a bunch of knots, yeah, <laughs> or, or like doilies, 
but it it's actually a a movie worth watching you know uh-huh. especially if uh, um you want to watch it with the group you know you could cuz mm-hmm. there's something in it for everybody yeah yeah um uh, so i yeah i'd be teaching mm-hmm. or maybe i would have been uh in, in brooklyn they had this thing called the rubber room yeah we talked about that <laughs> I I might be in the rough room. That yeah. was where if you did something wrong, but the union protected you from getting You're fired. Like, yeah, this guy's trouble. <laughs> telling the kids the truth. That's right. Oh yeah, I I routinely I routinely got uh, called into the office uh, for stuff. But uh, um, it's only fair. You got to push the boundaries as a teacher. Yeah, um, it's not something that you know I still have. Uh, friends and family teaching. It's not something that I would go into now. The the, the rigidity of it is just insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems that the kids' learning is is going, you know, lower and lower as far as the the bar. Yeah. Um. So there you go. That's what we'd be doing. You want me to read the next I one? Keep Try to catch up. Nah, oh, I, I got it. All right. Got another one here from CT Vader in 1977. How long do you typically sand a piece for? About 20 minutes. <laughs> you knew that was coming. <laughs> one guy, five minutes, 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, for the most part, we like to go to 220, uh, you know, with our oil finishes. Yeah. Um, or 150 if you're uh, not following along. Yeah. The Rubio calls for a little bit coarser, but yeah. uh, we kind of get better results for our own purposes going a little bit finer. Yeah. Uh, we sand it until it's done. Yeah. That's kind of the only, that's the answer. You know, I remember a story that Lou told me um, when he was starting out, the the old guy uh, teaching yeah, him yeah, I know this one. said, uh, uh, go over there and sand those pieces. And Lou says, well, how long? And the old guy tells him, till you start to smell garlic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, till they smell like garlic. <laughs> of course, that never happens. Right. <laughs> but we, I mean, I was surprised when I heard that people didn't sand to 220 or, you know, at least 180. Talking about our ex-partner? That, yeah. And... Um, just in general, you know, I, the people I ran into, I yeah. guess, uh, I didn't know that paint worked better with a little bit coarser. What about I, the over sanders? Cause there's plenty of those too. Well, you mean the people like want to polish it up like to a thousand? To like a thousand. Yeah. I don't think there's, there's much benefit to it. No. Um, even with an oil finish, I mean, cause yeah. once you buff, yeah. You'll get more clarity out of the grain, I think, the higher you go. But there's definitely a a uh, like law of diminish not diminishing returns, but like a at some point it stops doing anything. Yeah. Like it doesn't well, get any. Wood better. can only get so yeah. um, fine. I mean, you could polish it, but then once the finish goes on, it's going to kind of revert back yeah. to some sort of like let's say you sand it to two thousand and you put finish on. Well, it might look the same as sanding to 600. Yeah. Um, and again, I don't know these exacts. I'm sure it varies by species and stuff too. That's the thing. Like it depends on the piece, the species, the finish. It, so, yeah. yeah, we're not really like making 
polished museum pieces. No, it's just we're, not really. We're the making est- furniture yeah, for the aesthetic people. That we go for. There's makers marks on our stuff and things like that. Yeah, I mean, you still got my feet on the table here. Yeah. So, uh, I hope that answers uh, CT Vader's question. Mm-hmm. I think you got it there. What's the next investment for the business? This speak of the devil comes from Lou at Alvarez Woodwork. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Forklift. No forklift yet. <laughs> we had to be moving in a lot of woods yeah. to justify a forklift. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's gonna be small. We we did we did a couple of big purchases. Yeah, that worked out great for us. <laughs> worked out great. <laughs> no risk it, no biscuit. Yeah, I wish I could have the last couple of months of my life back. <laughs> um yeah i don't know we're we're set up pretty pretty yeah. damn good i mean we talk about like and, and this would probably be another tool that we'd only use maybe once or twice a year but we were thinking about getting one of those little portable edge banders yeah um but when do you when would we use it like you know, be, we have an edge banded. I mean, it's like a kitchen thing, right? That's what it's for. Like doing, we like to put a nice, thick, solid edge on the shelves, mm-hmm. but it's great for the other three sides yeah. of a shelf using solid wood edge banding. It's, it's, it's a nice thing. Yeah, I mean, those machines will run a a pretty thick edge too. Yeah. Them. Um. You know, then there's the the whole boring attachment for the, um, what, what do you call that machine? The hinge, hinge boring machine. machine? Yeah. I'd say like some shaper tooling is something yeah. we'll probably get into, you know, some door profiles and stuff, but uh, nothing big, I don't think, for the time being. No. Not, not unless we get a, a job that, maybe like a vacuum bag, maybe something like that. But yeah. It all depends on what, what comes through the door. I think I agree with that. It's like with the shaper. I mean, we, you know, it's one of those tools. You think about it. Oh, we need a shape. We need. Oh, here comes a job. Yeah. So get a shaper. Yeah. There you go. Are we on to page two? Yeah. I think this one's all you. This is a longer one. Came in from uh, one of our patrons, David Shoemaker. He. uh, He got his name right. I know. He said to edit it, but I didn't edit it. You got it. You you wrote it out nice and uh, nice and well for um, I agree with you that today's consumer has been trained to undervalue craftsmanship due to the plethora of cheap mass-produced furniture, cabinets, etc. However, if the masses put an appropriate value on custom woodwork, the average family still wouldn't be able to afford your work. 2019 median fan, median family income was about seventy thousand. So here's my question. If Green Street Joinery made a line of furniture for the average family, what would it look like? Let's take a kitchen table. What would it be made of? How would it be finished? What type of joinery would be used? And how much would it cost? Well, I would say my first impulse for what would it be made of is cherry Mm -hmm. or maple. I'll throw ash in there as well yeah. to just give it different grain. Yeah. Um, Those are three very similar, similarly priced 
exactly. uh, species. We can get those materials pretty cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, you know, reasonable thicknesses. Right. Which is important for a table. Why don't you take the next... Uh, um, what would it look like? Well, it had to be simple, which yeah. is sort of our style anyway. Um, Repeatability, probably, right? Yeah, it would have to be something that, you know, could be, uh, you know, constructed quickly and, and easily. Um, so no through... <laughs> through. You know why I'm laughing? Because we would design something that fit this criteria... And we'd get building that first table, and and you'd go, man, you know what would look nice? Yeah. We'd, we'd put, like, a wedge 10 in here. Yeah. This would really set this up. <laughs> we'd have to have some discipline if we did it. Yeah. That would be number one. Mm-hmm. And it would have to be a sort of breakdown kind of thing because um, that's that's a, an added layer of accessibility is being able to have it shipped to your that's home. That's right. Um how would it be finished? Well, you know, a uh, uh, oil finish. You know, to get a good oil finish for a table, a dining table is takes time. Yeah, uh, because you know, got to build that up. Yeah, you know, you're talking six coats or more, really, um, if you want it to be durable. And if you're going to sell something to people, you know, under this guise of uh, affordability and and. Uh, Convenience, it needs to be something that doesn't need to be maintained. Yeah, because people are going to use anything from a sponge with dish soap on it to clean it to mm-hmm. lemon pledge. Yep. Or, yeah, or worse, those are pretty mild. Yeah. Um, so we might have to go outside of our, our normal comfort zones for finishing. Yeah, it would have to be a sprayed finish. Um, joinery. Domino connectors, something like that, I think. Yeah. Not a lot of fancy cuts. No. A lot of straight lines. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of the domino. Um, what What do you think of uh, base style? What would What would you go with? Legs, trestle? It had to be four legs. With an apron? Yeah. Yeah. That's probably the... the not even probably. That's by far the easiest, fastest. Yeah. Because we could make those parts, and they could be all just sitting around. Yeah. You I might- mean, trestle, you get into the weight and the size and mm-hmm. glue up, you know, gluing up stock into the right sizes and milling it back down, and that's a whole other thing. Simple t- four legs, apron, and some corner braces, mm-hmm. and you're good to go. Yep. But, you know... I don't think we really have any desire to do that. I mean, what could we bring? I don't even want to say the pun. What could we bring to this situation if we're limiting ourselves to a top with four legs and an apron that's going to... Why would somebody want a table from us if that's all there is? Right. Because you can't compete with... Go to the Amish or somebody like that um, who make, you know, real wood furniture, but they... They, um, you know, don't get it twisted. The the Amish use pocket holes, and they, yeah. you know, they do things. They're um, using machinery. Yeah. Yeah, it's all full machine shop. Mm-hmm. Um, but they got their kids doing the, 
the simpler tasks, and yeah. uh, as you get older, you're moving on. So it's a way of life, uh, and the overhead's lower. Um, I don't think it's possible that we could bring anything to bear that would that would make what we do attractive enough for somebody to opt for. I mean, we would have the top would be all there is, you know, uh, this really beautiful grain matched top. The fuck that is? Sounds like a jackhammer almost. Anyway. Um yeah, I I just I don't think it's possible or really I really don't have any desire to to do that. It kind of goes against everything that we Mhm. Without the inventive design and the distinctiveness, mm-hmm. we don't really have much to to offer um somebody in that price range, you know, like the introductory price range. Yeah, I mean it's nothing better than you could find for Right. The same price. Exactly. It'll just be a solid wood table at that point. That's the only right. it's just solid versus you might find something that's a whatever, a uh a plywood top or something like with I mean, solid edges. When we went out to Pennsylvania, we went into this Amish shop. Mm-hmm. They had this six chairs and a dining table. Solid wood, walnut base. Walnut frames on the chairs with spalted maple, yeah. spindle backs. I mean, it were it was beautifully done. Yeah, twenty five hundred bucks for the whole set. Yeah, I was joking with Jeff. I said one chair is twenty five hundred bucks from us. Yeah, it'd be twenty five thousand, maybe more <laughs> for us to build up. Probably more. And they probably make that set in their sleep. Yeah, um, but that's you know it's a mass produced thing. Yeah. But he's right, you know. We're we're a niche, niche mm-hmm. company. That's it. We we bring people's uh, thoughts and ideas to life. Somebody comes to us and says, "Yeah, I really want something that's all my own that fits here in my house, and it does X, Y, and Z." And that's our specialty, right? So, yeah, I mean, we're not marketing towards the masses or, uh, you know, the yeah. median the median family. We can't compete in yeah. that arena. And, yeah, they, uh, you're going to have to lift mountains to try and, you know, get the average person to sort of appreciate, yeah. you know, what we do. They're too busy trying to pay the bills like we are. Um, That's it. Yeah. So We don't charge a lot because we want to. That's just what it costs. <laughs> That's exactly. We're like sixteen twenty pants. Mm-hmm. This is how much it costs to right. make stuff here. Mm-hmm. You want it? This is how much it costs. We're not rich. No, not even close. I went shopping for. I'm starting to shop for a new truck. I can't even really afford it. <laughs> so, that's that. Uh, I think uh, this is the end of our first show here. We're going to talk about the beer of the week. Yeah. I'm still sipping on mine. It was okay. I like it. Yeah, it was all right. Nothing special. A, a letdown for me from McKellar. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's it's definitely different from the other IPAs that we've had. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just it wasn't... Uh, we got a visitor in the, in the studio? No, we better not. 
Don't even invite anybody. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I expected more from McKellar. All right. Well, since I had no expectations, I guess that's the way to go into these things. Well, I'm familiar with McKellar, yeah. so that's <laughs> that's a distinction. Yeah, I had the boss set kind of low. What did we have uh, last week? The Kitsuna. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. How would you stack it up against that? That was way better than this. Yeah. 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 I think one day we're going to have to have like a little a flight, mm. you know, and bring on like a best of kind of thing. You know, we'll go back. We'll have to go back and do some research and get four or five of our favorites and taste them side by side. Sounds like a lot of work. Come on, we could do it. Yeah, okay, you handle it. I can handle it. Um, <laughs> I would need, I probably need, just from you, the the names. You're going to have to go back to all the episodes and figure that out. All right, you know, my memory. Because I don't have, you think I have a list? <laughs> no, I have to do exactly that. <laughs> you be careful, I'm going to put that Kona Longboard in 30, there. 34 episodes, you're going to have to go back. And then we're going to do a blind taste test. Oh, that's going to be easy with two people and nobody that's not blind. Well, you know, it'll just be, there'll be no names on anything and we'll have to pick. Who's going to pour them? Oh, yeah. <sighs> Wasn't thinking ahead, was I? <laughs> you don't want to drink four beers anyway. No, they, I can't. They would be like the little the little glasses like they give you at the flights. You yeah, know? we'd have to pour out the other half of the beer. Yeah. It would be kind of wasteful. Yeah, I knew a guy that used to drink a lot of beer. We could have him come drink the, the half-empty ones. He's not into this kind of beer. That's true. It's from, he goes to old man bars. Yeah. Schlitz. Pours Pabst. Light. Pap only. Does Paps make a light beer? I think it's already light. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to go to the bathroom. So does that mean it's time to go? It is. We're going to say thank you to the gold tier patrons, Jerry Green and David Murphy, Manny Sirianni, Dustin Fair, Adam Pothast, David Shoemaker, and Colin Lye. All right. We'll have the tool of the week down in the description, the beer, and... Uh, Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs>